Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time, Lord. As Philip said to you, Lord, show us the Father and that would be enough. Lord, I want to pray that would be the cry of our heart today. Show us the Father. Hallelujah. We want to know you, Lord. We want to know the Father. We want to know the Son. We want to know the Holy Spirit. We want to know the heavens and the, the great plan that you have for our lives, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord. I want to submit everything and invite the Holy Spirit, Lord, in our midst, into our homes, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So greetings in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad for this opportunity for me to come and share the word. So recently I was just thinking about what is life all about in my private moments in my home. So I was reflecting back into my childhood. I realized that some of us, we just live with the flow. We're born in some place to our parents. I was born in Kerala. I was born in a Christian home. Uh, some of us are born in different belief systems. Some are born in affluent homes, some in middle class, or some are poor backgrounds. Uh, as we grow up, we have various desires. I, I began to think of some of my desires that I had when I was a little boy. Uh, I had a lot of uh, a stack full of uh, guns, toy guns. So every time my father would ask me, what do you want? I would say, I would want to have a gun. And, uh, uh, and, and also I allowed fast cars. Uh, sports cars with some of my interest. When I look to my son, he has some of those chips. Uh, uh, recently, he told me that he would ha- like to have a Lamborghini. And then after two weeks, he changed his desires. He wanted to have a Bugatti. Uh, and I was also like that. I wanted to have fast cars. I like to have uh, toy guns. And I wanted to be a detective when I, when I grow up. Uh, so growing up, all of us have many desires. So as we grow up, our parents send us to school. For some of us, our parents tell us that life is all about study, study, and study. Uh, sometimes some parents tell that you know, life is about also play, you got to play. Uh, my mother used to tell me that 10 standards is so important. And that is, what, that is the, you know, the hour or, or that year that is going to shape your life. I remember going to my school in 10th standard and my brother's name was written in the roll of honors because he was the top in the school. So my mom said, you know, you look at that, I want you to be like that. Uh, when I went to the class, I knew there were more smarter guys than me, so I'm not going to be a school topper. Uh, and I finished 10th, and I finished 12th, and they told 12th is the most important because that would shape what you're going to take, which course you're going to take. So after I finished my 12th, I began to think, what is it that, what course should I take? So there's a flawed thinking in me, uh, which made me to think that, can I take a course that has got scope? Uh, scope in the sense, at that, point, at that point of time, I didn't know what scope was. But scope, that, uh, at that time, scope was all about making money. When I grow up, would I get a secure job to make money? So uh, I, I went for my computer applications, uh, and I finished that. Uh, then we want to have PG, and we want to finish our PG, we want to get a job, and then we want to settle down, we want to look for uh, the best country that we can settle in. 
then we get married we have children our children go to school we repeat the same thing so which is a uh, you know which uh, uh, and 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 you also want to buy cars we want to buy houses we want to go for a vacation uh, we want promotion in our workplaces uh, so life goes on with like that and they grow old and uh, they also get married and now we have grandkids and it's now all about living uh, from our pension uh, and one day we die and in this course of life we also attend church on sundays okay and we also try to serve god if it is possible uh, we try to serve god so this is the kind of life uh, some of us are involved in uh, and maybe uh, if you have believed in the lord you have received jesus into your lord and savior that also happens in between just like an event let me tell you at the outset none of these things is bad by any means but that is not how god has designed life when i uh, when i uh, hear the word design uh, one thing that comes from to me is something called a design document when we make a software project because i am from a software background i know what is a design document is a design document has the intrinsic details of the project so if your design fails your the product or the application that is going to come up is going to fail so here is so so what i want to talk today is about the design of life which god has designed how does god designed life looks like so i have found that basically six areas where god has designed us in life the first area is called identity god has designed life for for all of us with an identity we will have a deformed life if we live up, if we live out of a poor identity from an incorrect identity we will have a deformed life many of us struggle with an identity crisis to know our identity we need to ask one question who am i lord who am i let me tell you uh, who, uh, who we are is determined by the one who has created us if you look at a product yeah uh, beni the product would be written made in india or made in whatever country the brand that is associated with with it similarly we are created by god since god is our creator who we are is determined by god if you know who you are then you would know your identity if you accept your identity you're going to be secure so if you know who you are then that's your identity and i want to tell you your identity is that you're created by god let's look into genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 so if we really know want want to know about design we need to go into uh, the the beginning okay so genesis 1 26 to 28 then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female uh, and then god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea over birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth this god designed life is based on sonship we are created by god by his image and according to his likeness so who was adam adam was a son of god but adam did not live a god designed life because he never knew 
God as a father. He never called God as a father. Whereas Jesus lived a God-designed life when he comes and says that God is my father. I want to tell you, if we are living a life not in sonship, that is not a God-designed life. A God-designed life is walking in sonship. I remember a few few weeks back, we heard about a series about sonship, uh, different kinds of sons. So God wants us to move and, and be as sons. So uh, who is man? Who is man? Is that all? Is that just being a son? So when you look into uh, verse, look into verse uh, 28, God gave dominion of the earth to man. So who is ma- so who is man? God. So man is the one to whom God has entrusted dominion. Can you imagine that God didn't give any? Uh, the, God did not give the dominion to a lion or, or to a whale or whatever or to a plant or an animal. But God has given the dominion to us. God has given the dominion of your family unto your hands, and your workplaces unto your hands, your school, colleges. You know, I remember that uh, one of the projects that I worked with, it was very difficult. Uh, uh, I had people coming to me and crying and said that, oh, this is, this is slavery that is happening here. This is slavery that is happening here. And I'm not in the, you know, as a VP or something. And I was thinking, God, what can I do? What can I do? Suddenly I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you can pray. And so I began to pray. I began to say, God, this is... This is too bad, Lord. This is just like in the days of Pharaoh. Even though there might be people who don't know you, but still they need to have a hope. Still they need to, uh, they, they need to enjoy their life. I said, God, help them. Lord, help me. I am also here, Lord. And, you know, things began to change. A few heads began to roll. And the situation began to change. There was a new person who took over. And he bought an order. And I could hear, I could see tears of joy from people who would call me. God has given dominion over your workplaces. God has given dominion over your school, your colleges to your hands. Hallelujah. You might be a child and you are thinking, what can I do there? Yes, God has given you dominion. You are the person that God has given dominion. Amen. Uh, I will look into Matthew 16, verses 17 to 19. So, what we, what we saw is God giving dominion of the earth to man. And here is Jesus saying something to Peter. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now you see Jesus saying, I'll give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. So now our dominion is extended. Our dominion is now reaching the heavens. You and I, we are the gates of heaven. You and I are the ones that can go into the throne room of God. Amen. How many of you are excited that we can go to the throne room of God, to that great palace of God and sit before his throne room? And I want to tell you there is good news. If you go to the throne room, you're not going to be struck down dead. Hebrews 12 verse 22 says like this, But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That's what you, who, uh, who you are. You, you are the one who can go to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Amen. 
you know, if we go to some secure places where the prime ministers live, we can't go there. We don't have access. But here is God, God saying, you can come into my city. That's who you are. You can come into the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. That's what who you are. You can come there. You can come to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn. I'm not talking about WICC. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We can go there. Amen. We can go there and we, are not, we will not fall down dead. Amen. What a great news that is. Amen. That's who, you, who we are. And second, that area that where God wants us to walk in His design his purpose and mission. God has designed all of us with a purpose. I don't think there is anybody here who has not come into this world without a purpose. God told Jeremiah, I have ordained you from the, from the womb of your mother and called you as a prophet into the nations. So God has given us a purpose. So what is the purpose? How, how, how do I know what is my purpose? You need to ask the question, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? What on the earth am I kept here for? Amen. So the answer to that question comes from God. It does not come from any man. It does not come from any man. The why am I here? The purpose, the mission that God wants you to be, it comes from God. It comes from the word of God. I'm going to look into Genesis 3 verse 8 to 9. So 8 to 10. What is the purpose here? And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The general purpose for every man and woman is to be in a relationship with God. See, God coming in the cool of the day suggests that here is a God who wants to be close to his son. Adam was a son of God. You and I, we are created to have a relationship with God. God has designed us for a relationship. A, a, a life that has no relationship with, our, with God is, is a deformed life. God has designed us to walk in sonship. Here is God asking, Adam, where are you? God has designed life in such a way that we walk in sonship. Here is God coming in the cool of the day to meet him. Amen. Now, when I go home, uh, I, would, uh, you know, I would go to try to meet my children. Sometimes my children also comes and tells to me that you need to spend time with me. Here is God coming. Adam had no time. He was hiding. But, Adam, but, but God is coming in the cool of the day because he wants to talk to his son to see how was your day. It was not that God didn't know that, that Adam had sinned. God knew that. But yet, God kept his appointment. He's a faithful God. Amen. Uh, so our, gen- so our purpose is to know who God is. And what is our mission? If you look into Genesis 2 verse 15, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Man, God gave a mission to man. Amen. God entrusted Adam with a mission. God told Adam to take care of the garden, to tend it and to keep it. God has given us a mission in life. God has given your family. There is a mission in the family. We are a family on a mission as a church. Even in our homes, there is a mission that God wants us to do. 
with our personal lives god has a mission for us to do you need to ask god god what is the mission that you have for me so now we saw that god has a purpose and god has a mission so now when i look back there was so much sense of going to school so much sense of going to college because i need skills to fulfill that mission from god it makes sense it makes sense to uh you know to have a family because i have a mission and i realized that i cannot do this mission alone and and god saw that in the garden of eden god gave a great mission to tend and to keep it and he saw adam can't do this alone adam is alone and i am going to give a helper so now having a family makes sense because i cannot do this this mission alone i need someone to partner with me and god brings somebody and god wants to take this mission forward with the generations that is why god wants us to have family that is a god a family is a god designed way to fulfill the mission amen that is a way of bringing heaven on earth so we have uh, we have uh, a pup we have identity we have purpose and mission the third thing that god wants us to walk in in this life is intimacy our entire life is designed in such a way that it is centered around god and if if you deviate it is going to, you're you're going to fly off the path you know i was looking at the solar systems and not look but imagining and we have all the planets uh, revolving around the sun but what if what if the one of the planets say that uh, i i want to take a different course if any planet says that i think it could be earth because of we who we are so so uh, if one planet would deviate and say uh, i i don't think i i want to revolve around the sun i want to tell you according to the laws of the universe that uh, that planet is going to self destruct our life is created to have an intimacy with god we will have a deformed life i want to i want to tell you this we will have a deformed life if we are not walking in intimacy it will be a crippled life you we will struggle if it is if it is if it is a life without intimacy so so our what is our so how to be intimate we need to ask god a question that starts everything who are you god who are you god i remember my encounter my first encounter with god uh, uh, i don't know for everyone's encounter my first encounter with god started in the bathroom i was in the first standard i was 6 years old and my heaven, my my earthly father was tough so i was afraid of him for certain things so i hid in the bathroom and i began to pray so somewhere in my mother's prayer i heard the name jesus so i i i knew in my heart in the moment i heard my mom praying jesus i felt in my heart that this god is real jesus is real he is true so in that bathroom i was not a believer i was not baptized i was not any of those but in that bathroom i cry out jesus help me and i could you know in a closed bathroom you can imagine there's nobody going to come but i knew there was a presence in that bathroom amen uh, I, I, and that was my first encounter i knew who this god was it was a, it was an alive encounter for me and after that i began to read the bible 
I came home, I, I, I began to read the Bible. And uh, my parents were a little worried because I was reading too much Bible. So that's what they're saying. So they asked me one day, what is it that you want to become? So I was touched by this encounter. I was in second standard, third standard. And I was in this, uh, uh, in this traditional church where I was to go, through, go to. And I said, I want to be a bishop because of my encounter. Because I thought that is the way that we need to serve God. And that was the, you know, I was after position. So I wanted to take the highest one. So I thought bishop was something that I, I told my mom. And my mom still remembers that. Uh, so the encounter, but that encounter changed me over the years. And here is, uh, I want to share for the book of Exodus 3, verse 11 to 15. It says that Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? So we asked that question before we start, who am I? So here is Moses asking the same question. And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to children of Israel and said to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they said to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and my memorial to all generations. You know why, why God was saying, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of uh, Isaac and God of Jacob. God is declaring, I'm a God of the living, not a God of the dead. Amen. So that is God declaring, I'm not a dead God. I am a God who is alive. Moses in that encounter realizes that he is a God of the living. And he realizes his name. And, and similarly now all of our hearts, everyone, every, everyone that is created, God has put uh, uh, a device in our heart that wants to know who God is. Everyone is a seeker. We seek God. And so we are created for intimacy and so if we miss that design just like the design document that i told about that design document will tell how the software is going to behave and in, in similarly in this design that god has put it is intrinsic it is inside our heart and that design is is to promote intimacy with god so if we don't walk in that design just like that software is going to malfunction you and I will malfunction. Amen. So God wants us to walk in intimacy. And I want to tell you, if you seek him, God will reveal himself to you. Amen. So God is not a God who is partial. I have always thought like this. God is not a God who is partial. He treats everyone equal. So if he has revealed himself to me, he is going to reveal himself to the one who is looking here uh, and, and having doubts. God wants to speak to you. The next area where God wants us to walk in a godly design is a healed heart. God has designed life in such a way that we walk in success. But because of the fall and because that we live in a fallen world, we may have scars and stains of daily life. You know, when my uh, son goes and plays outside, it is very easy to note 
uh, his situation is that he's in a mess when he comes back. So what do we do? What does his mother do? His mother would put him to shower. And he wouldn't want to do that. He wouldn't want to do that. Uh, in the same way that when we live in this world, there is uh, scars and, and uh, stains of life. And that's the point where we need to go and have a healed heart. God wants us to operate in a healed heart. Uh, to, all of us have weakness. All of us have weakness. And God wants to bring a remedy to our weakness. Amen. Uh, God asks Adam, Adam, where are you? At that point of time, Adam was afraid. And here is God reaching out to a hurt and a fearful and a sinful son. God wanted to bring a healing to him. That's the cry of a father to a son. Where are you? Is a cry of a father to a son. If you look into the uh, parable of the prodigal son, I am sure that the father was looking forward to the son. Every day, every moment he was thinking, son, where are you? God wants us to have a healed heart, not to be in pain, not to be in bitterness, or not to be have an anxious and a worried heart. A few, a few weeks back, um, uh, I, I was going through a little difficult time. And at some point I said, Lord, I want to be bold and courageous. Because the one that has called me is you. I can't afford to step back. Because you are the one who called me. I don't have a plan B, Lord. I want to be bold and courageous. And I'm weak. I'm afraid, Lord. Help me. And the Lord began to speak to me. He began to uh, counsel me. And I want to tell you today, if you are afraid hiding somewhere, there is a cry of the Father that is saying, where are you? And it is not a condemning sound or it's not a condemning voice. Where are you? I remember one day when I was, uh, happened four or five years back, I was driving one day and somebody has pained me a lot that day. And I really cried. I was driving down from, uh, uh, from another place. And I had, I had a very hectic two days. I had not slept. And when I came around uh, the place called Kotarakara, I remember I felt asleep on the wheels. And I heard a gentle so- sound from the back saying, Son! And I looked back. And I saw, a bu- and I looked back to see who it was. And then I turned, and I, I knew I was in the middle of the road. I stopped the car, and I let go of that pain. You know, I was, I, I, and, and down the road, the Lord healed my heart. Down the road, the Lord reconciled that broken relationship. But here is God saying, where are you to somebody? Stop hiding and running away. I'm going to say Romans 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone sitting out there, including me, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to say there is a good news. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. There is no doubt about that. But there is a gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There is an eternal life that God wants us to operate here it starts here it starts the moment that you say i do to god the moment that you say i do lord i want to follow you i do to god that is the moment where the eternal life starts with and god wants us to walk in a healed heart 
A healed heart yesterday does not mean a healed heart today. Just like my son, you know, if he would shower three days back, uh, I, I can't accept it the next day. Uh, so in my standards, the, 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 the showering standards are two times a day, but he negotiated it for just one time. So uh, don't be, uh, if you have a healed heart yesterday, it does not mean you have a healed heart today. You need to have a healed heart. The moment you are in pain, don't hide. If you walk in fear, that is not a God-designed life. If you walk in isolation, that is not a God-designed life. A God-designed life is a life that is spirit-filled, and to be spirit-filled, you need to have a healed heart. To be spirit-filled, to be having a joyful heart, you need to have a healed heart. You know, I, can, I will not be, be, be able to enjoy giving this message if I have a wound on my body and it is not dressed. It is going to bother me. Amen. So uh, we have the fourth area is healed heart. And I want to go to the fifth one. That is growth. Life is designed for growth. God has designed life for everyone as for growth. The moment a baby is conceived in the womb, the child begins to grow. Uh, 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 Actually, a baby that does not grow is a dead baby. As parents, we are looking into our, our child is growing. I remember that uh, uh, when we had our first child, my daughter, uh, every month we would go to have a checkup to see if she is growing. Initially, I was wondering why should I go to the doctor to see? But they have the growth standards. Similarly, I want to say to you, God has got growth standards. And God wants us to grow in every area. And if we are not a growing child, we are a deformed child. Would you, what, what, if you are a parent and if your child is not growing, what would you, would press the panic button and take, uh, and take the child to a doctor. So if you are not growing, please don't postpone it to tomorrow. You need to go to God right now and he will fix the growth. If you are growing, it's a God-designed life. If you are not growing, it is a deformed life. So how do you grow? Just like our children grow by giving them bread or whatever. Uh, We grow by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's how we grow. If Adam was naked, and and God knows how to clothe him, God asked Adam, who told you are naked? Let me tell you, God wants to address our weakness. God wants us to address uh, uh, all the things that we think about ourselves. I remember that I had a low self-esteem many years back. Uh, I used to think, Lord, Lord, I'm not talented. I'm, I'm, I'm not a good-for-nothing guy. I'm, I'm a good-for-nothing guy. Uh, I, I don't have the ability, Lord. And I had a very low self-esteem. One day, God spoke from me this uh, uh, of the word of God. And he told, just like he told Adam, who told you are naked? The Lord told me, who told you are not talented? Did I say over you? If I say it makes sense because I am the creator. That settled my self-esteem. And I began to browse recently. I just began to think about that. 
uh, and I have found that research says an average man has 500 to 700 different abilities. So if you are thinking that you are not talented, I want to tell you that is, the, that is a lie of the, of the gates of hell. My self-esteem increased. Because for an average man, if it is 500 to 700, how much more if you are spirit-filled? How much more? Amen? So uh, uh, the one person, for, for you to grow, one thing that you need to do is to examine yourself. Examine yourself. That is called the mirror policy. You need to stand in front of, just like how you look in front of a mirror. You need to examine yourself. And that mirror is the word of God. John Maxwell says like that, if you improve who you are, it promotes growth. If you improve who you are, it promotes growth. And God wants us to grow as better husbands, as better sons of God, as better father, as a better sister, as a better brother, as a better workplace, better worker in our workplace. Whatever ability that you are doing, God wants us to get better at it. Amen. So growth is the fifth area. And the last one is relationships. Life is designed for relationship. We are not designed to live alone, you know, in some corner of the land, all alone. Uh, life is designed for relationship. If we'll have, we will have a deformed life if we don't have healthy relationships. Genesis 4 verses uh, 1 to 9 says like this. This is all that you know. Uh, it is about uh, Cain and Abel. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. So you would, I, I, I want you to think that Cain was a promise from God. He was a man acquired from God. Eve, had, Eve requested and acquired somebody from the Lord. So he was a son of promise. Now verse 2 says that. Then she bore again. This time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought uh, of the firstborn of the flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and their offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. But Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it is a desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I your brother's keeper? This is a relationship question that the Lord is asking each one of us. Where is your brother? God has designed life in a such a way that we need to know where our brother is. The first murder that happened on the face of the earth was between brother and brother. And why I was thinking, God, why did you ask that question? What moved your heart? You know, God loves Abel and Cain. So he is God the Father who is moved by a death in his family, in his children. That he's saying, where is your brother? 
So instead of celebrating his brother's success, Cain ends murdering him. Do you know that God gave an opportunity for Cain to repent before committing that sin? He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So God wanted, to, God wanted Cain, to, Cain to get back to Abel, to repent and get back to Abel. But he did not do that. He was envious and jealous of, your, of his brother. Cain did not know how to celebrate his brother's success. I want to ask you, how many of you like to celebrate your brother's and sister's success? God wants us to go after our brother. He's asking some of us, where is your brother? Let me tell you, Cain had to give an account for his brother. The Lord will ask us to give an account for our relationships. Now, when I talk about brother, it is not just brother in our families. It could be in the extended community that we are in. Do you know that Jesus told his disciples to, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world? What was he saying? Be my witness in your neighborhood. Reach out. God is going to give ask us for an account. Where is your brother? I was thinking, what is the moment that, that a brother needs our help? It is not when the times are good. It is when there are lowest points of life. Where, we, where that person would have, would have hoped for an extended arm by somebody. An extended arm by somebody. And God has designed life that, where he wants his children to live in peace and harmony. That is going to happen in heaven. But I want to tell you that eternal life starts here. It does not start in heaven. God wants us to move in identity, purpose and mission. You have a purpose, you have a mission. To be in intimacy with the Lord. A healed heart. Growth. He wants us to grow. He wants us to, to be in relationships, to be in good relationships, healthy relationships, going after our brother, our sister, going after the wounded. I remember that sometimes going after our brother is painful. I remember a brother whom I went after for eight or nine years. And a couple of years back, he sent me a WhatsApp. And when I read it, I was heartbroken. I was saying, God, all these eight, nine years that I've spent with him, has it gone down the drain? And I showed my wife, she was also, she was also very touched. I mean, she was also broken by what he had read. Eight, nine years. And this person has not changed one bit. But I heard the Lord how many years have I come after you? How many times I have been patient with you? How many times do I need to go after my brother? I would say it would be more than 7 times 70 or whatever number that you want to put. God wants us to go after. And I close with a word of prayer. Father, we want to pray. There is a needy world out there, Lord. God, you love all people. 
There is nobody that you have left out of the cross. You bore the burden, Lord, for us. You didn't leave, you didn't leave me, Lord. You didn't leave any of us. You included, because of your large-heartedness, you included us. And let us, for our large-heartedness, include others. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that we would reach out. There would be healing in our land, Lord, when we go and pray for the sick. Lord, I want to pray that you would set free every, every migraines, Lord. Lord, I want to pray healing over every old people, Lord, let listening to this. Oh, doctors might say that it is impossible, but Lord, you can heal them, Lord. Let them be well and fine even in their old age. So they could run after God. They could run after another brother, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, healing upon our senior citizens, Lord, upon our older generations. And if you are sitting with, a, uh, with, with somebody who, uh, who is a senior citizen, I want you to lay hands on them. Lord, I want to pray health upon their bones, Lord. Health upon them, Lord. What is impossible, Lord, that you will do, though they can still run, Lord. I want to pray that they can still run for the Lord. Lord, I want to pray that you would set thyroid levels that are up would come to normal. If you are eating a medicine for so long, I want you to receive this healing right now. Lord, help me to take off this medicine from my cupboard. I want to have a cupboard that has got Bibles to give to the poor or to the lost. I don't want, I want to use that space for the Bibles. But I want to give it away, Lord, so that somebody can be blessed, Lord. I want to pray in Jesus' name. Let our medicine cupboards be bare. I want to pray somebody who has talked medicines for their child. Let that cupboard be bare, Lord. Let that child be healed. No more recurring sickness. I want to pray somebody who's got a recurring leg pain. Let that be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I want to pray somebody from the belly. Streams of living water shall flow. Streams of living water. Lord, we don't want it to be less. But streams of living water. Oh, I want to pray. That somebody is being touched by a river of God that is flowing from the throne room of God. Let the rivers of God touch you, feel you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is encouraging a little child. Hallelujah. You are worried. How do I handle that subject? I want to pray for the wisdom of God. Amen. Greater wisdom is available for that child than the wisdom of Solomon. Because we are greater than Solomon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for, for you are here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've honored us with your presence. Everything will be futile if your presence is not here, Daddy. Daddy, I want to thank you one more time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.